How much is our current food system impacting the earth? And why did Florida's governor shoot down a controversial solar bill? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Friday, April 29th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with a lot of climate studies. Global Forest Watch and the University of Maryland documented that tropical forests released as much CO2 as the country of India last year. For reference, India is the fourth most emitting country in the world. This is from a combination of warmer temperatures causing trees to emit more than they take up and deforestation. The tropics lost 1.1 million hectares of tree cover in 2021, mainly due to deforestation. We're also seeing record forest loss in Russia. During the United Nations Climate Conference in November, 141 countries pledged to reverse deforestation by 2030. Most of the deforestation happened before this commitment. The UN's Convention to Combat Desertification released a new study stating that unless humanity rethinks its global food systems now, we could lose land to the size of South America to degradation. Roughly half of the world's GDP is at risk. Mismanagement and misuse of resources paired with the harm to biodiversity threatens health and survival of many species, including our own. This study, which was five years in the making, was the most comprehensive study to look at the state of our global food system. The research looked at three main pathways we could take from now till 2050. Business as usual, restoration of 5 million square kilometers of land, and restoration of 5 million square kilometers of land augmented with conservation of natural areas for specific ecosystem functions. They assessed the potential land restoration investments impact on climate change mitigation, biodiversity conservation, poverty reduction, human health, and other key sustainable development goals. The executive secretary of the convention had this to say on the topic, quote, Modern agriculture has altered the face of the planet more than any other human activity. We need to urgently rethink our global food systems, which are responsible for 80% of deforestation, 70% of freshwater use, and the single greatest cause of terrestrial biodiversity loss. Investing in large-scale land restoration is a powerful, cost-effective tool to combat deforestation, soil erosion, and the loss of agriculture production. As a finite resource and our most valuable natural asset, we cannot afford to continue taking land for granted. Here's some more stats. Over 40% of the land is already devalued, mainly due to modern agriculture. 1% of farms control 70% of the world's agricultural lands, while 80% of all farms are under 2 hectares. And while countries give around $700 billion a year in agricultural subsidies, only about 15% of that money gets put into projects that have a positive impact on biodiversity and natural capital. The business-as-usual option would result in a 12-14% to decline in agricultural yield, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, which is already experiencing a food crisis. The study says that governments should repurpose a third of current agriculture subsidies to restore 1 billion degraded hectares by 2030, which is about the size of the United States. Another study, this one published in Science Daily, found that if English farmers sprinkled basalt rock dust on their farmlands, they could absorb almost half of the United Kingdom's carbon removal needs. 
Rock reacts with water and carbon dioxide to trap carbon into the ground. This method is called advanced weathering, and it's much less expensive and now more proven than direct air capture. This one's going to hurt the reptile lovers. 20% of reptiles are at risk of extinction due to habitat destruction from agriculture, urban development, and logging, according to the first global reptile assessment of its kind. Turtles and crocodiles are being hit the hardest, with 60% and 50% of their populations being at risk of extinction, respectively. As Catherine Henhorn from the New York Times puts it, quote, The research adds another dimension to the substantial body of scientific evidence that points to a human-caused biodiversity crisis similar to climate change in the vast effect it could have on life on Earth. Look, this kind of news is always disheartening. I honestly don't cover species-based information because it in particular brings me down. But I think it's important to know that these problems exist and then pick which ones you're the most passionate about to either create a career around, advocate for, learn more about, or donate to. Just pick a couple. We got this. Anyways, some good news with this is now scientists know more about what's even going on with reptiles. Reptiles have been studied significantly less than mammals. We're biased. And scientists are worried reptile species would be doing worse than they actually are because we didn't know what their needs were as much. But it turns out that reptiles experience the same stressors as mammals, so that's good to know. Okay, we need some climate victories after all those studies. Let's start in Australia. Logan, a town south of Brisbane, just turned on the Southern Hemisphere's first biosolid gasification plant, a facility that turns human waste into renewable energy. Water is removed from sewage, sludge, and dried before burned. The gas is then used for power. The city council says the project will reduce the area's emissions by 6,000 tons a year. The council has pledged to be carbon neutral by the end of this year. Over to Europe, German climate activists shut down oil pipeline terminals in five locations Wednesday to protest, demanding the country look at other avenues of reducing its reliance on Russian fossil fuel besides developing more in the North Sea. Last month, the finance minister said Germany should rethink its ban on allowing new oil and gas projects in the North Sea. Meanwhile, 15 members of the climate activist group Just Stop Oil blocked and damaged the pumps of two M25 petrol stations in England in the middle of rush hour. All but one were under the age of 24. Scotland announced that it will receive £25 billion in investment from 17 offshore wind farms. Meanwhile, construction on the country's largest battery storage facility has already begun, and it's expected to be completed by the end of this year. Over in the U.S., Florida Governor Ron DeSantis shocked the state's solar industry by vetoing a controversial solar net metering bill that would have reduced the amount of money utility companies have to pay rooftop solar households starting in 2024. This bill was pretty much only supported by utility companies. Practically everyone else, including solar companies, consumer groups, businesses, and veteran organizations, supported the current net metering system. The reason DeSantis gave for his decision was that this would raise energy prices for Floridians at a time that they could not afford to do that. And the U.S. Bureau of Land Management has pointed out possible locations for the next round of offshore wind projects. They tapped off the coast of Oregon, Delaware, and North Carolina. 
The next news headlines could go either good or bad, depending on how they go. We were just talking about how especially vulnerable countries to climate change, called the V20, just made their own fund to help them recover from climate-induced disasters. Well, the International Monetary Fund just announced a $45 billion fund called the Resilience and Sustainability Trust, meant to boost V20 countries' resiliencies, too. But there's unfortunately a catch that seems likely to keep countries like Bangladesh, Zimbabwe, and the Philippines out of the deal. Countries have to already be in an IMF program to qualify. The IMF expects 70 countries to come to the fund for help in the next 10 years, but that won't happen without lifting this requirement. The EU energy transition will require 10 to 15% more zinc than currently used, 30% more aluminum, 35% more copper, 45% more silicon, 100% more nickel, and 330% more cobalt. Unfortunately, they're expecting a shortage in minerals in the next 15 years, according to research by Belgium's KU Leuven. However, by 2050, 40 to 75% of Europe's clean energy metal requirements could be met by local recycling if the bloc prioritizes investing in it now. Recycling saves between 35 and 95% of CO2 compared with primary mineral production. And the EU has a plan to start requiring the use of sustainable aviation fuel for commercial flights, starting with 2% biofuel by 2025 and slowly raising it to 63% by 2050. But what is sustainable aviation fuel? The answer to this question, which is currently under discussion, will determine if this plan, called Refuel EU, will decrease aviation emissions or actually increase it. All right, let's finish off with a great climate victory headline. The Kenya-based off-grid solar company Sun King raised $260 million in Series D finance to expand its geographic reach and develop new projects. The company wants to provide clean energy access across Africa and Asia. And that was your climate news for Friday, April 29th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.